Well, it is such a joy for us to have Wilson and Laura Green with us this morning. And um, uh, just uh, so many of you know them uh, and have known them for so many years. And for those of you who do not, let me just give a little bit of an introduction. Um, Wilson and Laura uh, were a part of Fellowship Bible Church when Fellowship Bible Church was not. In fact, they were a part of a merger of a church split, if you can believe that, if you've ever heard of that before. Fellowship Bible Church is a church that was two churches that split and then came back together. And Wilson and Laura were a part of that, as well as Roger and Kay Bowers. And um, about 10 years after that merger, they went to be with Life Action. And um, so there is just a, a deep, deep love, joy, and appreciation for the Greens here at Fellowship Bible. And in our time here, which is almost nine years, if you can believe that, this November, um, they have just become very, very dear friends. And we love them so much and um, are so thankful for them. And um, just in a moment here, I'm going to invite my brother up. But I want you, if you don't have a Bible, again, just uh, to let you know, there are Bibles sprinkled throughout the rows in front of you. I want you to grab that Bible and turn to page number 935 if you don't have your own Bible. We're going to be in Second Timothy chapter 2 this morning. So again, if you don't own a Bible, we want you to take that Bible as a gift from us. We want you to have God's word in your hand. One more note, you may be newer to the Bible this morning. Our, our brother is going to be preaching from what's called the New American Standard Bible. What we have here is the English Standard Bible, otherwise known as the exo- uh, Extremely Sovereign Version. Um, but... Uh, there are, uh, there are different versions of the Bible. If you're not used to the Bible, there are different versions of the Bible, different translations that are made. And they're uh, generally the ones that we would have in this church are good. And so you might see some word differences from that Bible that you're holding this morning and what our brother is preaching from. And uh, so my writing Bible is what I have with me this morning, and that is an NAS, so I'll be able to follow along. But uh, anyway, just so you're aware of that this morning. But Brother Pastor, would you come please and uh, open the Word of God to us? Wow, what a blessing to be back in the pulpit at Fellowship Bible Church. Oh, Tim, great to see you, my friend. Wow, good to see all of these uh, precious, precious faces that uh, we left, can you believe it, 22 years ago, come July 15th. And uh, we're so thankful, so thankful for you. Uh, Jason is right. Um, that I have told people everywhere, Jason, uh, the next church, by the way, that I preach in will be number 235 since I left you. So uh, I've, told, I've been a lot of places, preached a lot of pulpits, but um, I've said most of those places, the elders could have uh, searched the world over and not found a better um, elder and pastor. Uh, for you than Jason and Amber, and we're so appreciative and so thankful for their ministry. You know, I, I'm just honored uh, to be able to bring God's Word to you this morning, uh, because who are we? You know, we're just unprofitable servants, as the Scripture says, but, uh, but I'm also surrounded by incredible company. I mean, not many churches you go to do you uh, have one of the men leading uh, a doctorate, and uh, you have a Hall of Fame. Where is he? Hall of Fame. There he is in the back. Hall of Fame basketball coach who uh, 
led his team to state championship, and then Rich and Kay Sutton. <laughs> I mean, are we blessed? <laughs> Rich and Kay, I love you guys. What a blessing uh, to see you this morning. So enough of all of that. We need to get to what's really, really important, and that's our word from our Lord. So go with me, as Jason has already alluded, <clears throat> to Second Timothy. Chapter uh, 2, we'll be looking at verse 20 and following all the way down through verse 26. By the way, uh, I am still an expositional preacher, okay? I'm not a topical preacher, though there are sometimes topics need to be addressed, and that's kind of one of the situations here today. However, we will look at this uh, verse by verse. Uh, because it's so incredibly important, especially in our day. By the way, I take some <clears throat> medication. It dries my mouth out, okay? And so I'll speak two or three minutes, then I'll have to kind of take a, a sip. You pray for me. I hope, though, this is uh, not a distraction for you. And thank you for the nice cold water. It's not always that way sometimes. You're not sure what, what's in the pulpit here. Okay. Read with me, starting at Second uh, Timothy, verse 20. Now, in a large house, there are not only gold and silver vessels, but also vessels of wood and of earthenware, and some to honor and some to dishonor. Therefore, if a man cleanses himself from these things, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. Now, flee from youthful lusts, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, and those who call on the Lord from a pure heart, but refuse foolish and ignorant speculations, knowing that they produce. Quarrels. I would pause just a moment. Verse 23 should be the verse of the year for 2020 and 2021. Let me read it again. Refuse foolish and ignorant speculations, knowing that they speculate quarrels. If the founder of Facebook would allow me to post a scripture before every post, that would be the one. Refuse foolish and ignorant speculations, knowing they produce quarrels. And then verse 24, And the Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged, with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition. If, perhaps, God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth. And they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. Lord, this morning, <clears throat> this is your word. What a marvelous, beautiful, inspired, um, incredibly applicable, applicable uh, word that it is to us. Father, would you help us to navigate 
the truths here. There are many. And would you help us to be able to understand how these things uh, benefit us this very day, this very week, so that we might be um, equipped, as you say here, able to, uh, to teach, able to help cor- bring correction, Lord, where it's necessary. Father, we have an awfully fallen culture, and it's getting worse. And yet, Lord, you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so we don't have to, we don't have to uh, wring our hands or wonder what's going on. Yes, we're coming out of a pandemic. Hallelujah. Thank you for that you're Jehovah Rapha and you're our healer. We know, we know some, even amongst our midst, have lost loved ones. But Father, you're sovereign. The, the keys of death and hell, Lord, are not in our enemy's hands. They are in your hands. And we just uh, trust your sovereignty uh, concerning all things. But, Father, help us not to, to miss what you were trying to teach us through that time. And also, Lord, help us now not to be afraid. The Lord is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Psalm 46, verse 1, verse 2, therefore we will not fear. Lord, help my dear brothers and sisters here not to fear coming back to church to fear being amongst people, to fear to touch brothers and sisters. Lord, you, you commanded us, greet one another with a, with a holy kiss. Lord, it just is emblematic of how we're to, uh, to love one another and, and touch each other. And so, Lord, help us to come back out of these things uh, properly and in your timing, under your sovereign uh, will. But we need you, Father, and we and the church, the community of faith, as it says in this passage, need each other. So, Father, help us. And uh, as we turn now and look at being godly servants able to address a godless culture, wherever, Father, we don't align uh, with your word, would you cause us, bring us to repentance, bring us to obedience so that we can share the truth. Because after all, Lord, it's your truth and we have it and you told us to share it. So we love you. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. When I was uh, just coming out of uh, college, I had gotten my undergrad degree at a little tiny University, uh, Lynchburg, Virginia, at that time called Lynchburg Baptist College, which now many hundreds of thousands know as Liberty University. Um, I went to Virginia Beach to help plant a church, to help begin a church there. Now, I didn't, I went there to plant a church myself and basically fell on my face, but um, another man saw my plight, another pastor. Wonderful brother. He's with the Lord now. And uh, he, he said, hey, you know, if it's not working for you, come and help me. And we did. Uh, this, this brother was an incredible um, evangelist, 
He could, he could lead people to the Lord left and right. In fact, most of the people that were in our church uh, or his, or converts that the Lord had brought to himself, you know, through, through Brother Benny. But anyway, um, as I'm sure you have had, I got a phone call one time and it was a, uh, a salesman for a vacuum cleaner, okay? And they asked, would it be possible to come and, you know, to, to show us the vacuum cleaner and all of this? And I, up, uh, way ahead of time, I said, it's probably a waste of time. I don't have any money, you know, but yeah, if you want to come, come. You know, I was living by myself. It'd be nice to have some company, <laughs> you know, even if it was a vacuum cleaner salesman. So he came at the appointed hour and um, he went through his little, you know, deal about this vacuum cleaner. And wow, when it came to price time, I was like, you know what, I don't. I probably won't make that in a half a year. <laughs> you know, I was making, I was a, uh, also a security officer, you know, at a little uh, security company, and I, I was making two fifty an hour. Uh, and so it was, it was tough stuff, you know, at the time. And anyway, so, uh, but he said, well, listen, thank you. You told me. I, thank you for listening to me. Nothing else had helped me to hone my skill of actually presenting the, you know, the thing. He says, but I've got a gift for you. He says, there are some steak knives I'd like for you to have. I said, wonderful. Thank you. I don't think I have steak knives. In fact, I don't have steak. So, <laughs> uh, but when I can get steak, I'll use the steak knives. So uh, he gave those to me. And um, I want you to know that uh, not all of them, but most of them are still, this is over 40 years ago. Most of them are still in our little drawer uh, there at, uh, at our home in Michigan. And they have become a familiar friend. You know, whenever I'm about to uh, peel an apple or cut an orange or whatever I might, I, I look for that little ivory handle um, set of steak knives. Now, contrast that with if you go to our home in Michigan, we have this Chinette set or China cabinet, I should say, that uh, is over in the corner of our dining room. That was my mom and dad's. My uh, dad went to be with the Lord in 1990. My mom <clears throat> went not, not really long after I came here as pastor. And then my mom in 2005. We inherited that. Uh, my wife's parents went to be with the Lord about three and a half years ago. They died the same day. Uh, one at two, uh, three o'clock in the morning, the next about five forty-five. But obviously, as other families, we inherited uh, some incredibly beautiful china. Uh, my wife is full Swedish, and so uh, something that their family always collected were these blue uh, Danish plates. And so we have many of those. You can go to any antique place, and you can see. Uh, Danish plates for sale, and we, my wife has some of them lining the top of our uh, of our kitchen, uh, just like it did in her home and w- her parents' house. And so, but in this china cabinet are some of the most beautiful pieces of uh, of dinnerware 
that uh, really we, we don't use. I mean, they're kind of on display. I bet if I went to your house, you would probably, those of you that have some beautiful china, you'd probably have a similar thing. I couldn't think, help but think of that when I saw this first verse in verse 20. In a large house, there's not only gold and silver vessels, but also vessels of wood and earthenware, some for honor and some to dishonor. So the, the point here is that, you know, there are, are articles that are useful, you know, and they are not maybe constructed of the best uh, kind of materials as some of these vessels of honor, right? But it really doesn't matter hardly, does it, what we may look like on the outside, because, as we see from the very next verse, we can be a vessel of honor. Therefore, if a man cleanses himself from these things, he will be a vessel of honor. Now, what things is he talking about? Well, he's, we're going to look at those here in just a few moments. But this vessel of honor in verse 21 is further described, he says, sanctified. Now we just sang a chorus, beautiful. Uh, I didn't know a, one, of the, one of those choruses. I don't know, Heidi, if you actually wrote one of those, but uh, you know, holy is the Lord. Um, the idea of the, both the Hebrew and the Greek word for, uh, for sanctified means set apart. And it's that idea again of being this vessel of honor. But not like some of our utensils that we have in this uh, china cabinet that are never pulled out or never useful. No, no. These vessels of honor, they are useful to the master. Now, that's what I want to be. When the Lord saved me, um, I did really, really well. You can tell, those of you that don't know me, you can tell I did not grow in, in the Midwest. <laughs> I have lived in the Midwest now for probably 35 years, but uh, grew up in the, the central uh, farming land of North Carolina. And that's where this uh, accent comes from. I can remember I, I did really well in school. I never had a problem with academics. Uh, and I can remember as the Lord saved me between my junior and senior year, in high school that um, he completely turned my thoughts around. I, was, I had already been accepted to go to either University of North Carolina. I, I love the Tar Hills, but hallelujah, I didn't go there to learn anything else. Uh, and I had been accepted at East Carolina University. I had been accepted at North Carolina State University. I was probably going to go to Carolina and be a pharmacist. But then the Lord saved me. I went to a great youth uh, Bible study and the Lord turned my heart around and through the, through the uh, wonderful testimony of those young people there, it was just an incredible, incredible thing. And, and, and then that's where, how I, some kids from there were going to Lynchburg Baptist College. That's how I found out about my stuff. But I can remember the very first week or two that I was at the campus there. <clears throat> I went into a, um, to a little prayer room and I can remember this. In fact, they have in Lynchburg, they have actually, Hilton has actually taken that old dormitory, which was a six floor building 
an old hotel called the Virginian. Well, they have completely restored it. And uh, you can, and they've kept the rooms, the, you know, well, not the same, as I was about to say. They have m- much uh, improved the rooms, okay? But I can go to the actual room on the second floor, which used to be our prayer room. And I could go into a, um, that, t- to that room and I could remember that there was a mattress that was just there on the floor. And that was it, sort of nondescript in the, into this place. And... At that uh, mattress, I prayed and I said, Lord, um, you gave me a great mind. I can make a lot of money. But Lord, your will, not mine. And the Lord said, I don't want you to make money. I want you to make disciples. Well, from that pivotal time, that's what I've done for the rest of my life. There have been times of usefulness. There have been times of not so much usefulness, but... Is certainly my desire. I think I am talking to a lot of brothers and sisters who that's your desire also. As a matter of fact, that's why the Lord saves us, right? Is so that we are fit for the master's use. And that's exactly what this wonderful passage says. And then it says, prepared for every good work. <laughs> wow. Uh, what were you trained to do? Were you trained to, like, sell insurance? Were you trained to be a, an engineer? Um, you know, a mechanical engineer, for instance. We, and we'll, we'll talk more about this in the next hour, but uh, our particular ministry is uh, reaching out and helping pastors at something that we call the Life Action Lodge Pastor Retreats. But we also do uh, marriage retreats. We just had a fellow who uh, came for one of those marriage retreats. And he pulls up, Brother Jason, in this... uh, Honestly, it looked like the Batmobile, okay? Uh, But it was this rough and ready sort of um, uh, Ford vehicle, okay? And on the side of it, it said Raptor, okay? So this is the Ford truck, the Raptor. So when I had a moment of uh, alone time with this man, I said, sir, uh, his name's Louie. I said, Louie, tell me about this truck. You know, I mean, the thing looked like what the president would have, you know, going on off-road. All right. It, it was just rough and rugged, you know, heavy-duty suspension, big wheels, and all of this kind of He says, isn't that silly? This is what this guy said. Yeah. Look at the silliness. I said, well, tell me about it. He said, well, Bill Ford, president of Ford Company. Remember, we're in Michigan. Okay. Uh, came to me and 29 other guys. And that's what we invented. He's a part of creating the Ford Raptor. Now, that wasn't the most impressive thing. Later on, he was telling me that he helped Elon Musk to... Produce the electric car. And I'm like, wow. I said, tell me about Musk. He said, he's not a nice man. <laughs> this is an interest, interesting response. He says, I had three meetings with him. They weren't pretty. You know, but uh, back to this Raptor, he said, the, the owner, I mean, the uh, president of Ford said, I want you to build me something that will go off a ramp at some speed. I think he said 60 miles an hour. 
will come down and nothing will break. So he says, so there it is, $80,000 of foolishness. You know? Now, I thought as I started to, to um, get to know this man and try to minister to his life, you know, I thought, I sure hope that your whole life is not prepared to build an electric car or to build a Raptor as sort of impressive as that is, right? I hope that your life is prepared for the master's use, you know? And honestly, as we got to know him, Laura could tell you, that's the most humble guy. He's forgotten more than I ever learned. I mean, really, really a very, very talented individual. But yes, in fact, he's a great witness, uh, you know, in his, in his workplace. It's just amazing, isn't it, where the Lord places Christians, you know, and the, and the kind of influence that they may have, but prepared for every good work. So here's what he tells us when he said up here, if you will cleanse yourself from these things. It says, verse 22, now flee youthful lusts. The word for flee is the Greek word, the derivative of fugo. Now, how many of you remember, guy, millennials with me here? Sorry. Old, old person reference, okay? How many of you remember this program called The Fugitive? Okay. You know, there was this doctor. Um, anybody remember his name? Da- Richard Kimball. Thank you, Joel. There was a good reason you came to church this morning, brother. <laughs> yeah, Dr. Richard Kimball. And he had, quote unquote, uh, killed, what, killed his wife? Is that right? And, and uh, he, Jason, you know this. Well, you're not as young as I thought, brother. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, anyway, there was some one armed man, they said, who, you know, killed. But what was so interesting and what is applicable to here on this passage was every week he was running. You know, he was, uh, in fact, I think they did a remake, didn't they? A movie of this thing. Harrison Ford maybe was, was the doctor. And anyway, he was running. And you know what he was constantly doing? He's constantly looking over his shoulder, right? Constantly being careful. That is a perfect illustration of this word here. To flee. Flee youthful lust. Why? Because we never run away from them. We never get away. They're constantly coming at us. You know, there are things that we can sort of get a handle on. Uh, my besetting sin right up front, as I mentioned to you, my salvation early between my junior and senior year in high school um, was anger. I was just an angry teenager. And God immediately began to expunge, you know, all of that. My wife will tell you that it's not a finished product. Um, still, still sometimes, you know, but I'm, it's so much better than what it used to be, you know, because of God, because of the Lord, because of his grace, because of his maturity that he's brought into my life. But, you know, there are some things, pride being one of those youthful lusts, we never escape it. We better be on the lookout continually because if we're not careful, 
it'll, it'll crop up again. It'll overtake us. So he was telling this young man, Paul was, to Timothy, be careful. Watch out for youthful lusts. Let me mention some others. Wealth, power, control. I could flip back to a few pages to 1 Corinthians, 1 Timothy chapter 6. And it says there, don't try to be wealthy. But, you know, godliness with contentment actually is great gain. Now, I'm not saying if the Lord has given you an ability to make some money, you know, make it, but use it for his good. Let your wealth not be something that you are that, that, that its tentacles seep into your soul, right? Um, wrong ambition, jealousy, envy. Here's a big one. Young people, listen carefully. Sinful sexual desire. Uh, the next uh, wedding that I perform, just performed one, three weeks ago in a wedding venue, no air conditioning, 105 degrees in the wedding venue at the time, one of those very hot weekends we had just a little while ago up in northern Indiana. Um, the next uh, wedding that I, that I am able to perform, I think, will be number 84. <clears throat> and there have been a lot of um, different people that have asked through the years. In fact, when, even when I was here as pastor, uh, would you perform my ceremony? And I said, well, I know, Jason, I'd never turn away uh, somebody because that first meeting would give me opportunity to actually talk with them about the Lord. And so, but I had... Several qualifications. First of all, they had to be willing to meet with me several times so I could help prepare their pr- prepare them for marriage. Uh, they obviously needed to be believers. I'm I'm not a pastor. Some pastors don't have a problem with marrying somebody that's uh, two unbelievers. I did, uh, so I would uh, only uh, would perform ceremonies for those who are Christians. And then the third thing was, if they were sexually immoral, they had to stop. And they needed to stop that moment. And from that point on to their marriage, if they're living together, they stop living together. If they are being immoral, they aren't immoral anymore till the ceremony. Why would I be so hard-nosed about that? Because I, you know, I, I've heard, had uh, married couples who have looked at me who are in trouble. And they'll say... Uh, he cheated on me. She cheated on me. You know, and then I'll ask them, or I'll say, well, what was your life like during your dating? You know, and then they'll reflect, well, yeah, we, we blew it a few times or whatever, whatever. I said, well, let me ask you a question. Why would you expect that either of you would be moral after the wedding when you were immoral before the wedding? But you see, many don't see it that way. But, in fact, I can remember one time, Joel, you may remember this. I went to our elders here, and I said, guys, oh, here's what they would do. I'd say, you need to stop living with each other. And they said, well, oh, we couldn't afford it. So I went to the elders, and I said, elders, would would you allow me to call their bluff on that? 
In other words, I tell you what, we will pay your rent from now until, you know, wherever the new place you go to, from now until your wedding. Guess how many takers I had? Why? Because you see, sexual sin is powerful. And uh, many who are involved in it, I don't know, are there any here that are um, sexually immoral? If you are, stop it. Flee, it says in the scripture. Don't go there. Don't go into these things. But pursue, I love all of these, uh, the, the lists. I'm, I'm a list guy. I love lists in the scripture because I love to go to the words and to see what God is telling us. Righteousness, that just means doing good things. Faith or faithfulness, right? Honestly, that's the only way that the Lord is going to measure uh, an elder or a pastor's ministry. Has he been faithful? We know that from 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Doesn't matter if he has, you know, bombastic music uh, uh, repertoire or, or, or program. Doesn't matter if, you know, there's 4,000 in his church. That's, none of that's the measurement, right? The measurement is faithfulness. And that's the idea here in this word. And, and peace. Um, we have come through a period of time where there was a lot of uh, lack of peace not much tranquility right and yet remember for those of us that are Christians remember uh, third element of the fruit of the spirit right love joy peace be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with fasting let your requests be made known to God and the Peace of God, Philippians 4, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Are you at peace? I hope that Fellowship Bible Church attendees and members um, aren't fearful about this pandemic. You know, I have watched now for 15 months um, the, the, the Church of Jesus Christ being decimated out of fear. Now... I'm not saying there wasn't the necessity of having caution and some of you possibly lost some loved ones, uh, you know, whatever. But, folks, God is in control. And now it seems that he's allowing this thing to, to go away. Well, we'll come back to church then, you know, and, and, and come and be a part of the body of Christ, as I alluded to in my, uh, in my prayer. And then notice... It says, at peace with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Not only should we have a pure heart, but we are to collect together with those who have pure hearts. So yes, coming back to church is important. Yes, being a part of com the community of faith is important. I'm, I'm distressed a little bit when I listen to my millennial friends who talk about uh, you know, I'm, uh, you know, I, I love Jesus, but I don't love the church. No, 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 no. The church is God's plan. Ek kaleo, ekklesia, the called out ones. We have a wicked world. That's what we're talking about. But we need to gather together, be called together and be with each other. 
So that's what it looks like to be a godly servant. But one more caution here as we continue in this, in this text. Look at verse 23. But refuse foolish and ignorant speculations. Now in your notes, if you're taking notes, you'll notice I've got F-I-S, foolish, ignorant speculations. They're exactly the words that are in my text, uh, the New American. But I want you to, I'm going to give you Wilson's paraphrase, okay? And I am not maligning the, the Greek at all, okay? Stupid, that's the next one, moronic conspiracy theories. That's exactly what those three words mean, okay? In fact, the word for ignorant is moronis, which where we get the word moron, Okay, so that's what the scripture says about those things. Okay, what does it say here? It says, refuse. In other words, don't go there. <laughs> Whether in Twitter, on Twitter, in Facebook, don't go there. Now I want to talk to you just a minute about uh, conspiracy theories. Okay, because that's this idea of speculations. I want to, I want to mention to you in my lifetime a couple of conspiracy theories. The, the first one is a little older, and some of you will probably remember it, and the one, the other one, a, a little newer. Um, when I was um, in my early 20s, mid-20s, there was a wonderful president that was elected uh, to, to be our president. His name was Ronald Reagan, okay? He, he won his first, uh, first, what's the word? Tenure first term. Thank you. <laughs> Not a hard word. Just wasn't coming. First term, uh, 1980. And then 1984. So he wasn't a two-term president. Um, did you realize that some people believed that he was the Antichrist? That was a cons conspiracy theory at the time, right? And you say, what? You know, he's one of the best presidents ever. How? Well, here's how. His first name was Ronald. How many letters is that? His second name, Wilson. How many letters is that? See where I'm going? His third name, see, 666. He's the Antichrist. No, moron. <laughs> But, the, but it was. In fact, to, to affirm it, guys, how many of you heard, heard that one? Yep. We've got about six or seven in here that had heard that. Okay, let's come to a, a more contemporary one that all of you have heard. We have this thing called a vaccine that's come out, right? And there are many that said, hey, the one that's kind of driven this is a fellow called Bill Gates. And... Oh, I'm not getting that vaccine because they have put little nanochips inside the vaccine. And when you get it in your body, they'll be able to track you everywhere. Now, how many have heard that one? Okay. Almost everybody, right? Is that the truth? Well, no. 
And, and how can I say that? Well, they don't need one. They don't need a nanochip. They already have it. And if you don't think this can't track you, you need to do a little investigation. Right? I mean, there is a little camera hole right there. Right? That's why I go into an office. I put that thing upside down. (laughs) They may be hearing me, but they're not going to look at me. Right? (laughs) So, ignorant, foolish. You know, don't, brothers and sisters, don't get caught up with all that stuff. Right? Why? What does the scripture say? They just call quarrel. They're meaningless stuff that takes up our time. When we could be using our time in a lot better stuff. You know, if you have a problem, you know, and you got all this free time, then start meditating on Scripture. I promise you that'll be much more eternal good, right, than all these other things. So, but I, I hope you understand what I'm saying by all of that. So, the bond, with that in mind, in verse 24, the Lord's bond servant must not be quarrelsome. That's that next line. But kind, able to teach, patient when wrong. I've been able through these last 22 years to meet some wonderful, wonderful men of God. One of them, though I didn't completely agree with all of his theology, one of them was a fellow who was the president of Asbury College, whose name was Dennis Kinlaw. Probably one of his most beautiful and famous sayings was this. He says, I've never met a spiritually mature Christian who is not also kind. And you know, I would have to say the very same thing. People that are kind, people that are uh, enduring, long-suffering, patient, all those kind of synonyms we could in case that word with, they're also kind. That's what the Lord wants us to be. Not quarrelsome, kind, able to teach. Oh boy, here's another one. Patient when wronged. Folks, I've been traveling through in my own personal devotion, my own personal quiet time through the book of Luke. And it's at the end of any of the gospels. All we have to do to watch the perfect epitome illustration of patience while being wronged is to watch and to look at our Lord. Our Lord did nothing wrong. Never once did he even have a thought That was sinful. And yet, he was hung on a cruel Roman cross. Even while he hung there, you know the words, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He was right. Fully, absolutely perfect in his life as a 100% man. And what did the Lord tell us? If they persecute me, they will persecute you. If they've wronged me, they will wrong you. So guys, 
I feel like as I've traveled this country, as I've preached in many places, I feel like the body of Christ, maybe fellowship is the exception. I feel like the body of Christ is not prepared for what probably is coming. I'm not some doomsdayer. The Lord could come back a thousand years from now. We could have revival and a downturn and revival and a downturn again. Okay, so I'm not, I'm not spouting off any kind of uh, eschatology at you, you know, to try to be doomsday. But I will say this. The very first verse of the next chapter tells us what's coming. In the last days, difficult times will come. There are 17 things there that are mentioned. The first one is the biggest lover of self. Right? That's, that's, that's our biggest idol in the world. Self. We are, listen to the word, self-ish. We're full of self. And that creates problems. Because we're God and everybody else wants to be God. And so we've got battling gods between each other, right? So, it is a difficult time. It, the way that I have analogized it, Brother Jason, you know we have these little uh, things in our, like at a mall, and kids will want a penny or want a dime, you know, and they slide it, you know, into the thing, and it, then it begins the revolution, right? It's, the little slot is at such an angle that it causes the coin, you know, but what happens as it goes round and round and round and round and round and round? As it gets closer to the funnel, what happens? It speeds up, doesn't it? It's almost like that's where culture has gone. It's kind of like, would you have thought, you know what? Hold on. I'll get there in just a second in one of, the, one of these verses. Um, so, with gentleness, and here's, here's the idea of uh, addressing a godless culture. With gentleness, correcting those who are in opposition... If perhaps God may grant them repentance leading to the knowledge of the truth, that they may come to their senses, escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. So, when we are opposed by those who are not believers, who are uh, part and parcel, part of the world system, part of the culture, yes, they are in opposition. But folks, let's remember, they're broken. We were too. In fact, we are. Um, I'm, my next birthday, I'll be 65. <sighs> Stuff doesn't work like it used to, right? Some of you, I see your faces out there. Some of you, you know, have uh, lost loved ones. Your husband's not sitting with you there anymore. Um. But hallelujah, we get a new body, we get a new mind, right? And that's, that was God's plan. You know, death, you know, where's the victory? Grave, where's, where's the sting? There isn't uh, for the believer. But those that oppose us, you know, they're just broken. They're broken spiritually. We've been healed spiritually. And so we need to keep that into mind. So they need correction. Here's the finishing of the little uh, fill-in-the-blanks there. Correction. They need repentance. They need truth. 
They need to come to their senses. They need, notice it says, held captive by the devil to do their will. They need a new master, right? So, brothers and sisters, as my final challenge here, uh, when we are facing the culture, let's not be angry, right? Yes, there are things that make me angry. I would not have thought, even while I was pastoring you here, we would ever have to talk about, in from the pulpit, uh, legislations going on about a woman going into a man's bathroom or vice versa. Never thought. Never thought that we would have to give some kind of thought to say they are there as a pronoun. When a man has, quote unquote, become a woman or vice versa. Um, I want to I say, and, I, I, and I'm saying it a little more firm, a little more uh, virulent right now than I would if there were, you know, all unbelievers here. Okay, but, but think with me about this. And it says they need to come to their senses. Well, what does that mean? That means it's, it's nonsensical, Right? Here's one of the nonsenses. The very people that say, oh, green is good. You know, by the way, I was, I was green a long time before it was cool, you know, but, but you'll get that in a few minutes. But, uh, you know, green is good, uh, organic, less, you know, nothing, no, no beef that has all these additives or these preservatives in it, no vegetables, no, whatever, 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 right? Those very same people who will say, no, no, I won't eat that. You know, that's processed. will say, oh, it's completely fine to pump the human body with chemicals to change themselves. That's the height of hypocrisy. You know, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. If you're going to pump your body with it, I'm going to eat processed ham. Right? I mean, it's ridiculous. It's nonsense. It's nonsensical. But as I say it, let us be careful as we approach those. I used to say the word sodomite. Okay? That's a homosexual. I don't use that word anymore. It can be unnecessarily inflammatory. It's a biblical word. Okay? Uh, It tells about the homosexual behavior that was happening at Sodom and Gomorrah. That's where we get the word. But I yet I now use same-sex attraction. It's less inflammatory. Okay? Why? So that maybe I will have an audience of somebody to hear that will then the the Lord who saves us may grant them repentance. Right? Because they need it. <clears throat> There's a study that was done by a uh, Ivy League school, and they were, they were wondering. I mean, this is not, you know, there are smart people out there. Not all of them are duped. There were these guys, at, and I, I can't remember exactly which one it was. I think it was Yale. Don't quote me on that. Uh, but they wanted to know why is it that we're seeing this increase of transgenderism amongst um, like 11 and 12-year-olds, that they're... They're saying, oh, I'm, I'm really not a man. I'm a woman 
or vice versa. What, why? Why is that happening? What has happened? Do you know what their findings was? Uh, the pressure from Facebook. This was an Ivy League school's deduction. Okay? Have you heard about that report? No. Why? Because the Ivy League presidents would not put it out, even though this was their professors who did the research, would not put it out. And you know why? It would offend the transgender community. So much for truth. So much for freedom of speech. Do you notice how you don't hear that very much? I mean, when I was, you know, early adults, that's all you heard, you know. Well, they're not in, most in opposition to the Lord aren't, they're not looking for freedom of speech unless you agree with them, right? So, let's remember what the Lord says. Suppose, suppose um, and maybe there are some that are struggling even amongst our group. Please, my, my words have not meant to offend you, Okay. But maybe there are those that struggle with same-sex attraction. Maybe th- those are confused, you know, uh, concerning these cultural things. With gentleness. Correct those who are in jo- opposition. You know, something, Brother Jason, I appreciate about you. I know you say amen to every bit of this. And the reason I know that is because I've watched you these 10 years almost and how you are. You know, uh, you're, you're gentle, even to those that are in opposition. And perhaps God would grant them repentance. That's what they need. They're, they're lost. Think of that word. They're lost. We were too. And so who's going who's gonna to save them? The Lord will, but through our witness, through our gentleness, through our winsome sort of ways. I hope, I hope. Um, you will uh, heed my admonition. I'm going to close with a beautiful, um, a beautiful quote from a man of God who's with the Lord now, Warren Wiersbe, Prince of Preachers. He said this, We are not to win arguments. We're to win souls. And that's our desire before our Lord as we address as godly servants this godless culture. Pray with me, please. Lord, what a blessing to be with my friends. There's no other place in America uh, that I'd rather be right now than with these dear ones. And thank you for the incredible um, legacy that the brothers and sisters of Fellowship Bible Church have um, have paved for all others who uh, come and join this fellowship. Lord, thank you for um, your healingness back. Um, 25 plus years ago when we were 
a little less mature and a little more angry with each other. Thank you for granting us repentance uh, to one another so that we could come back and worship. And Lord, I see, I see brothers and sisters from both churches as I look into their eyes. Um, thank you, Father, for Brother Roger and the privilege I had of serving with him, Father, for 10 years or almost for he and Kay. Thank you, Father, for um, the, the leadership uh, or for the community of faith here following the leadership and establishing uh, a group of godly men called elders. Um, thank you, Father, for those elders finding Jason and Amber uh, some nine years ago. And, Lord, thank you for the ongoing uh, truth that resounds from, this, from behind this piece of wood uh, to the people of God. Lord, I thank you for every, every soul that is here. Uh, many, probably two-thirds that I do not know. But I want them to know, Lord, I am their brother. And I am their cheerleader. And I do love the community of faith called Fellowship Bible Church. Let us, Lord, address this culture. Let us address it with decorum, with peace, with correction, with truth. And Lord, may it make a difference because, Lord, everyone is an eternal soul. Help us, help us, Lord, to rescue them. In Jesus' name, we ask and we pray. Amen.